0: Here's the deal, man. When you come into a new industry, your goal right out the gate is not to get attention or to prove yourself. That's the goal eventually, but that's not what you're wanting to do initially. Initially, you want to observe the industry, understand what are the social dynamics, what are the unspoken rules, and what are the skills that you need to develop to make it in this industry. And then you go to work on building your skills. That's the first phase. And then you graduate into the second phase, which is the longest phase, of these three phases, usually lasting over ten thousand hours of developing the skills. That's what a real expert is. You know, you got these self-proclaimed experts on on social media, like these personal branding experts that got two hundred forty-three followers. Man, like, get the hell out of here with that, man! You need to put in the time to develop the skill.
1: Welcome to the Home Service Expert, where each week, Tommy chats with world-class entrepreneurs and experts in various fields, like marketing, sales, hiring, and leadership, to find out what's really behind their success in business. Now, your host, the Home Service Millionaire, Tommy Mello. Welcome back to the Home Service Expert. My name is Tommy Mello, and I'm here with Zachary Babcock, and he specializes in entrepreneurship, personal development, marketing, and branding. He's got a podcast. It's the Underdog Empowerment Podcast. He started in April of 2018, and he's also got a podcast called uh, The Penthouse Media Podcast with Growth and Monetization Specialists, and he started that in August as well. This guy is huge on social media. He's the author of The Prison to Promise Land, uh, like I said, he's the host of the Underdog Empowerment Podcast. He became a life coach and entrepreneur after getting out of prison. This is super cool, Zach, because I got to meet you at Marshall Gillen's gig in California. I don't know, maybe you... Well, how long has it been? Dude, that was
0: uh, back in January.
1: So it's been a, a roller coaster just watching you. Like you, You've you had... What are you, the top-rated podcast now? Like top 10?
0: Dude, no. Nah, not top 10 yet. I'm in number 51 in the entrepreneurship category.
1: Dude, that's monster though. Like you're getting all these downloads all the time. You've just got a great story and you're a comeback story. That's why you, you came up with that, the underdog, right? You were the underdog. Tell us a little bit about your life.
0: Absolutely, man. The whole reason why I started the podcast, bro, is like every time I tried to collaborate with other entrepreneurs, this was... And this is kind of funny because you mentioned about the life coach thing. This was after the life coach. Like, I, dude, Tommy, I didn't make a single penny or help a single person as a life coach because I didn't know what the heck I was doing, bro. But um, after I moved on from that, I was frustrated, bro, because every time I tried to collaborate with any entrepreneur, uh, nobody took me seriously. I was just some ex-convict turned entrepreneur afterthought that nobody gave the time of day to. And I was pissed, man. And out of that, out of that frustration is the whole reason why I launched the Underdog Empowerment Podcast for for selfish reasons first and foremost. You know, to to get myself out of that box that I felt like people were trying to keep me in, and then also to empower other underdog entrepreneurs in, in the process. And um, we became a top two hundred rated podcast three days later after after the launch, and then the week after that we had Billy Gina's marketing on the show, so it literally went from in a week's worth of time, nobody wanted to collaborate with me to interviewing celebrities and stuff it was it was crazy, man.
1: Let's go even deeper like I mean, where would you grow up? you know I don't know if you want to go too deep into what happened, but I know you got a family now, and like you're just you're always smiling, you're always having a good time. You said we talked this morning, you said I'm the best I've ever been. I know not you're not perfect yet, but things are just really going good, so let's talk about. You know, like I can tell you, man, my my dad, uh, found my dad cheating when I was seven. Stuff happened. There was a long story, but my mom works three jobs. Life wasn't perfect. I never spent any time in prison, but we worked through a lot of challenges. But I look at my life and I'm like, man, that was cool. It made me who I am and I appreciate everything that happened. So if you don't mind going a little bit deeper, you don't have to, but it's up to
0: you. Yeah, man. Absolutely, dude. I'm an open book. And I. I'm right there with you, bro. Uh, I wouldn't change anything that happened. I'm grateful even for the for the adverse situations because it it built strength of character and molded me and stuff. So I'm pretty sure you feel the same way, man. Yeah, dude. I I grew up without a father figure. He died when I was seven, and my mother never remarried. Uh, she was a great mother, but I just feel like boys need a, a male father figure role model in their life. It's kind of hard to raise a raise a boy as a single mother. And so I'm always looking for growing up, looking for that role model. I, I needed something to model to know how to be a man. And I looked in all the wrong places and I did things to fit in. I mean, we all do. Anybody that says that they don't like, you know, the people are like, oh, I don't care what other people think about me. Well, that's a lie because to an extent you do, that's literally wired in us in human nature or one of our biggest fears is being exiled from the tribe. So to some extent, you do care about what other people think about you. And for me, I just took it a little bit further, and it was like a little bit too excessive and um I would do things out of character just to fit in with the crowd and this you know, I started getting in trouble, started smoking weed when I was nine in and out of juvenile detention centers throughout my entire teenage years and um by the time I was seventeen, I caught my first case as an adult, and we were we were just out robbing a bunch of not robbing uh houses we were burglarizing cars. And then if they left their garage door opener in there, we would open it and then drive off, go hit some other cars and come back. And if it was open, we'd go and steal whatever was in the garage. We we're just being some punk teenagers with no real chief aim, no goals or nothing to strive for, man. And we ended up getting caught. And I took the rap for all four of us that they, they got caught and I got some cases, four of them stealing over motor vehicles, two counts of stealing over 500 and a burglary first. And uh, I thought my life was over, Tommy. After that, I thought I was like, man, I'm going to go to prison and my life's just going to be over. And I didn't know how the system worked. I was just getting probation. They put me on probation. Uh, but by then, I'd already started doing heavier drugs than just weed. I started experimenting with ecstasy and that quickly escalated to cocaine. And then that quickly escalated to heroin and crack. Before I knew it, I'm picking crack crumbs off of carpets and stuff. And man, it was just, it was crazy, dude. And by the time I was 19, uh, caught two more cases as I was sitting on a probation violation in jail. And they ended up sending me to prison for the next four years of my life on a seven-year sentence. You you were rock bottom, obviously. And,
1: uh, I think a lot of people go through, it might not be, it might not be heroin, but somebody's got something, you know, whether it's going out every freaking weekend or, or just not eating right or just not spending enough time with family. So, How is that? Because I heard, and I don't know, I've never done heroin, but I heard that's one of the things that once you've done it, it's like, what do you do to tell yourself on a daily basis that it's just, you know, to get over that and
0: just not go back? I mean, how many kids do you have too? I have four kids, one stepdaughter and then three of my own, two twin boys and my uh, daughter that was just born nine months ago. Right on, man. Congratulations. Thank you, brother.
1: So tell me a little bit about that, man, because... I think everybody faces some type of challenge and it's not an addiction, maybe it's a habit, but how, how do you break that and how do you never look back?
0: Yeah, bro, that's a really good question. So you can apply this to not just heroin. You could apply this to literally any habit, I believe, anything, any vice that you have. But here's the deal, man. I'm not knocking, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, or whatever. But the first step, it says, we admitted we are powerless over our, 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 our addiction. That's bold, dude. I don't, I'm i not powerless over my addiction, bro. I have the power for every decision I make. I completely own that power. Nobody could take that away. This facts right there. You make those. Now, I get it when you're in active addiction. It's hard to do it. But here's the deal, man. For heroin specifically, the only reason why I was using heroin and doing that is because I felt like I, I didn't, for one, I didn't have any chief aim in in life. So I was just like going through the motions. And because of going through those motions and not having that driving force, you do things, you see it all the time, not even with dr- just drugs. People do things to escape that r- reality and to feel alive. Like if people play dangerous sports and do things that put themselves at risk, just to feel that adrenaline rush, people do the drugs just to to feel some type of being, uh, being alive instead of just going through those emotions. And so when you say that you don't have the power, that you're literally stripping yourself of that power. And here, here's the deal for me. As soon as I got locked up and the second time when I missed out on my twin sons, I'd already killed my heroin habit, but I, I was an alcoholic at this time when I went back to prison. As soon as I woke up, though, in that jail cell and learned that I was going back to prison for eight months, I didn't know how long at the time it ended up being eight months, but as soon as I learned I was going back to prison just 20 days before my twin sons were born, Tommy, dude, that was that was it for me. That was the camel that broke the straw's back. That was my rock bottom moment. That was when I said enough is enough, when I said my desire to change is, is stronger than my desire to stay the same. And ever since that moment, I've moved in a completely different direction in my life. And I don't it doesn't even cross my mind to do heroin these days. Like, dude, I get more of a high chasing my dreams and having having like right now I'm looking at my vision board. It has a visual representation of everything I want in my life. Not just my business goals, which there's plenty of them on that vision board, but my family goals, my relationship with my wife goals. Material things, all types of different things on this vision board. And that right there gives me more of a rush than heroin ever could. And uh, I don't even think, like, I don't even think about it now. So I just don't get down with the whole AANA thing because it's like you say your powers and then they, it's like, it's good. I like it because there's, I know a lot of people that have stayed sober going through that. But to me, it's like, man, it's a cult for one. Totally is a cult. They, and there's nothing wrong with a cult as long as it's improving the quality of life of another human being. But um, they get inside your head like, man, you have to have this or else you you can't be sober and you're a piece of shit if you're not or whatnot. So that's just one reason why I don't get down with it. I don't know. That was a long-winded answer. No, dad, no, bro. it's a great answer. And I
1: appreciate you opening up.
0: So you don't drink at all now? No, I do. I do have drinks, but it's very rare. So it's few and far between. You don't have a problem anymore. Yeah. Like I, we went to Florida. Last week with our family, brought our entire family down there and uh, had some mimosas with my wife sporadically throughout throughout the trip or whatnot. But I don't really enjoy it like I used to. It's like, for one, it makes me feel like crap the next day. And for two, anytime like say if there's a friend's birthday and they're out at a bar or something and I rarely go out. But if we do go out, me and my wife, we get there and then I'm immediately reminded like, man, this is why I don't do this anymore. I'd rather be at home right now working on my business or hanging out with my family than be here. Oh, That's cool,
1: man. So I think one of the secrets is, and correct me if this is wrong, but I think you got to replace that thing with something else because otherwise there's a void there and and people end up going back. And it it doesn't mean drugs. It could be, it could be biting your nails. It could be anything, but people just need to find in like, there's a book called the highly, uh, what is it? Seven highly successful habits, successful people, whatever. And then there's the eighth habit. Uh, He talks about just what do you want people to say about if you were going to get buried today? What are they going to say at your funeral? And what would you change? And we all have this conscience in our head that knows it's bad. But here's what I find. And I th- I'm sure you start condoning these things. And as the more you ignore your conscience, the more it becomes
0: just easy to do, right? Dude, yeah. You're exactly spot on with that. I love that exercise, by the way. I think it was the second chapter where he said you start visualizing your funeral and everybody showing up and how do you want them to remember you and what, what were the things you'd want them to say about you? That's, that's a powerful exercise, man. That negative uh, visualization and positive as well. But, um, and you do have to replace those things. So like me, I have a very addictive personality and I got, when in school, they said I had ADD, ADHD, ABCD, all that, right? <laughs> and uh, and I did, man. But here's the thing: like, I could never like focus on things that didn't interest me. But if it's something that I really enjoy and that that I'm passionate about, I'm laser focused. But yeah, you have to replace any habit with another habit. It's kind of like also that book, The Power of Habit. I think is what it's called by Charles Duhigg. Yeah, uh, yeah, he talks about that a lot, man. It's like because we are creatures of habit. Everything we do, like. I don't remember the stats, what he really, he said, something like over 95% of the things that we do on a daily basis is out of habit. And that's why you notice like when, when people stop smoking cigarettes, for example, a lot of people, when they quit smoking cigarettes, they end up getting overweight because they replace that habit of smoking with another bad habit of overeating. So it's all about replacing those habits with healthy habits, I guess.
1: Yeah. And and, you know, there's, there's little ones that it's okay. I mean, like TV or whatever, uh, certain things, but really, I think one of my biggest issues is I try to go from zero to hero. I'm like, I'm going to work out seven days a week. I'm going to eat perfect. It's either all on or not. Like I'm going to (laughs) brush my teeth eight times a day. I'm going to floss now seven times, you know, and it's, I think you got to just say, okay, let's be realistic. Let's set a small goal. Let's do this for a couple of weeks
0: and then set the next one, you know? Dude, I'm with you on that. <laughs> it's not the same way, dude. It's like, that's a, I guess that's just kind of how we're wired, man. It's like you're either 110% all the way in or 110% all the way out. Like there's no middle grounds. With yeah. <laughs> that's good, though. If you, it, it could be a bad thing and it'd be a good thing if you, you apply it, you it the right way, you know? You gotta channel it. You gotta yeah, channel man. it in the right directions. So you came out
1: of prison and you had a hard time getting a job, right? So you're literally like, probably like some of these guys that are listening right now that are trapped in a job, maybe, and they, they don't know what to do, but you decided the only way I'm going to make it is to go out on my own.
0: Yeah, man. 100%, let's, dude.
1: Let's talk about that because a lot of people have a hard time. Some of the people listen to this podcast are still working for someone else. And you know what? A lot of people should work for someone else because they want the freedom to do what they want when they want. It takes a long time to build a company that makes money. I mean, it, at least a few years to where you're making more than you're making now working for somebody else. And it's a sacrifice and there's no such thing as a balanced life. So I'm not saying to everybody quit what you're doing right now and go work for someone else. What I'm saying is
0: there's an opportunity and you got to be, well, tell them what you got to be, Zach. Dude, I, I love that you say that because uh, so many people push that like, oh, this you'll make it happen overnight or whatever and, and all this crap. Right. And And from my experience, man, you're exactly right, dude. I didn't even, I didn't start making decent money until this year as an entrepreneur. And well, I, I mean, I got out of prison, right? So let's let's talk about uh, when I got home, couldn't get a job, man. And I, it didn't matter though, because I had my strong enough reasons why my whole thing was when I went back, I said, I don't care what it takes. I'm going to get back home and I'm going to be a responsible father and I'm going to be happy and successful. I didn't even know what happy and successful looked like at that point in my life. But it didn't matter. I didn't know how I was gonna make it happen. None of that mattered because I had my reasons why. And so when I got home, I couldn't get a job anywhere. Literally, I was filling out applications, five to twenty applications, no exaggeration, seven days a week. Like that was my job until I got a job. And anytime you fill out an application as a convicted felon, it's getting shot down right away. As soon as it, online, it's like as soon as you hit submit, they deny it. And so that was frustrating. But I had always been like an entrepreneur at heart. Like, dude, I have before we went to prison, the last time we had made these shirts said zero fucks are given literally, it just said zero fucks are given and literally sold them all over our neighborhood. Like, literally had everybody, like, no exaggeration, had hundreds of people rocking them. So, so things like that. I would do shows and host like music shows and, and make money that way at events and stuff. like So that entrepreneur thing has always been in me and it's something I've been drawn to, but I didn't know nothing about it yet. And so I'm looking for a job, getting shot down left and right. And then I got my first taste in real entrepreneurship. A guy uh, hit me up about a home-based business opportunity, which was network marketing. Now, it's this funny because at the time, I didn't even know what network marketing was. So you couldn't even scare me off of the word pyramid scheme. <laughs> but uh, I did that. And I did it for about two years, and within my first six months, you know I was hungry, dude, so i I made I was up almost to making two thousand dollars a month almost residually within my first six months and that was uh that was really cool, man, because even though I'm no longer in network marketing because that definitely was not my thing. I'm grateful for that experience because one, it showed me that what was possible it introduced me to personal development because before that, I never even knew about self-help books or personal development. But the most important piece was it showed me that uh, it doesn't matter what I did in my past. You know, I, I can design my life today, you know, of how I want to. So that was, that was cool, man. That's really how I got my start. But eventually, you know, I lost my, lost my passion for network marketing, I'm not knocking network marketing. There's good companies out there and there's a lot of bad ones too. I happen to be in a, I guess you'd say a bad one. Like they taught us this to fly through your list and try and sell people on your product or opportunity or keep it moving And I started burning a lot of relationships in the process. And that just it's not something that aligns with my values.
1: Yeah, I do a little bit of network marketing and look, you gotta match things up that really fit. Like I I use this thing that there are cars that go in the mail, and they literally done correctly could change a person's business and it's cheap. And I've learned how to do it better than 99% of people. And if I could teach somebody how to create better relationships with their family, with their friends, with their neighbors and grow their business for under a hundred bucks a month, but I got to believe in it and I got to know how to do it myself. And I, you know, I'll do any product network or not. I mean, some of them are network marketing. The only cool thing about network marketing is you meet hungry people that are at the top. And I love hanging around with hungry people. Like this guy, Jordan Adler met him this last week and he's just, he's just a cool dude. He he wrote this book called uh, beach money and he's just, he's balling. He just bought a helicopter. Um, (laughs) I mean, it's nuts, but dude, the, the cool thing about you is, is you figured out how to do some really cool things. Like you've got this amazing podcast and I'm going to pull it back to home service. And I'm going to have you relate because you've learned how to get some of the most amazing people on your podcast, which I'm coming on there. So it's gotta be amazing. No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> no,
0: you're Right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but let me ask you this. So a lot of these guys and gals out there, they're trying to get into these bigger accounts and trying to get HOAs and they're trying to really get in front of the right people. And I want to know from you, what is your technique? How do you do this? How do you get in front of these people?
0: Bro, remember I was talking about the reason why I started Underdog Empowerment. Nobody, I mean, nobody wanted to collaborate with me. And I tried, dude. I was trying to get in there with so many different people. Even people that were not even famous, that were just like in the trenches like me. Nobody wanted to collaborate with, but when I launched the podcast, bro, we became a top 200 rated podcast the third day. I hit up Billy Jean as marketing. Now, I hit up Billy Jean. I reached out to him uh, a couple months prior trying to, I didn't even know what the hell I was doing. I was trying to get him to come on an online summit. And I, and man, I didn't know anything about marketing. I wasn't clear on who I was serving, how I could solve a specific problem for that person. Like, I was just a mess, right? And so I hit him up trying to get, get on my summit. And, you know, he opened up the message on Facebook right away after I sent it and never replied. And rightfully so. I didn't, you know, I didn't even know what the heck I was doing. I was offering some garbage. And then came a top 200 rated podcaster. And I hit him up and like, Billy, uh, just rank my podcast in the top 200. I would love to have you on the show and interview you, man. Can we make it happen? And he opened up right away. And his exact reply was his his assistant's email and he said, she got my schedule. Literally, she got my schedule. That was it. And then I scheduled it. And the next week we had him on the show. So how I do it, man, dude, is like, I literally just reach out to people. So like some of the bigger people, I'll go and I'll find their website and then I'll go to the contact part on their website and I'll send them an email or I'll reach out to them in their DMs on Instagram or on Facebook, uh, wherever I could find an entry point a lot of them have gatekeepers, and I'll go through them and get it set up. That's how I did it with Grant, Car- dude. With Grant Cardone, I've got an in-person interview with Grant Cardone. This is gold right here. I went to Grant Cardone's website and then went to the contact part. And when I went on there, they didn't have like a contact email or something, but they had uh, a one-eight hundred number for a sales team. I called a sales team. They got on the phone. They're thinking they're about to sell me. And then I saw like, dude, I'm trying to get uh, Grant. I, I- pitched my podcast and hyped it up, which I wasn't hyping it up. It was all facts. But you know I was pitching my podcast to him and he gave me Grant's email. And then I hit up Grant and then he gave me his personal assistance email. Then I hit her up and then I got the interview. So it's just like, it's just pitching that shot. But when you have a podcast, it changes the game, bro. Because you have something of value to offer people. You got a platform, a media source that's highly valued, especially if you got a dope show that people want to be a part of because you're giving them value by helping them raise their own status, by being on a top-rated podcast and by connecting with your audience and being able to share whatever they got going on with, with your audience. So yeah, it completely changed the game for me, man. I will say
1: this. You are one of the few people that had instant success because I've talked to people that are some of the legacies in the home service industry. And they said, man, I gave it six months. And there's a lot that needs to be done. And I just didn't give up. I mean, it was a, lo- it was a year. And I listened back to some of my first podcasts, man. And I'm like, I'm looking up books that the speaker was talking about that I was interviewing. And I can just hear myself clicking or drinking water or whatever. I'm not saying I'm perfect now, but I try to be a little bit more just into it, a little bit better prepped. And uh, it's one of those things where whatever you're going to give up, huge effort to you can be successful. But you got to funnel that energy in one or two things. You can't go after 50. And that's what I've learned is I, I'm one of those guys that takes on everything. And if I see a shiny light, I used to go after it. And I've been able to pull myself back. And the success that follows is amazing. And you talked about your, your vision board. And you talked about how many downloads you know. Even though you said you're not this analytic geek, you know what you hit last month. You know what your goal is next month what you're doing is those are key performance indicators that are telling you how you're doing and you're starting to make more money and you're starting to make basically understanding that the more downloads I get, the more I'm able to help sell this product, the more money I make for my family. Tell me a little bit about that. How do you set your goals? Do you work with a personal coach? Do you work with a marketing team? I mean, what is it that you, uh, how do you kind of dissect this stuff?
0: Yeah, man. So I used to, I do work with coaches and I and I have one right now. Right now we're getting ready to launch back into YouTube. Uh, so I'm doing a lot of passive income, like affiliate marketing, tying it all together with the podcasts and the blog on, on my website or whatnot. But yeah, dude, like for instance, like I'm working with Nick Nimmin right now on YouTube. I worked with him before, back in 2017, when I was this man, I I didn't know absolutely anything about marketing and anything about dialing in. Uh, who it is that I could serve or whatnot. But I got some kick-ass results from working with him from just one month. And I haven't even really posted on, on YouTube in a while. And my my channel's still growing from ranking certain videos or whatnot. Like for instance, if you go to YouTube right now, at the time of this recording and type in how to start a podcast, I'm going to pop up within the first 10 people on that front page of YouTube. From learning the stuff from from Nick, so like I'm working back with him because I'm I'm relaunching now. Now I know a lot more about YouTube, and I'm really ready to ramp it up. So I'm only working with him though right now. Well, the whole reason why I was talking about that. I, sometimes I go off on tangents, bro. Sorry, but uh, the whole reason why I'm working with him is because I try to work with just one mentor at a time now, instead of like having a bunch. Or if I'm going to work with multiple mentors, they're going to be completely different. Like I would work with Nick Nimmin for YouTube, and then I'd work with. Uh, Another guy for like crafting offers or something, you know, whatever that may be, it would be something that are completely different that way. I'm not, I'm not trying to combine different strategies from different mentors and then messing up the whole entire plan because you could get two mentors that both teach the same thing and get kick ass results, but they're both completely different. And if you try to mix them up, then you won't get the results. So I I learned that the hard way. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I go off on a tangent sometimes, bro. In my
1: bad. No, you're good, dude, and that's a good point. You know, it's hard when you got five coaches telling you. I mean, if you look at a tennis player or or a golf or Tiger Woods, they're going to one person at a time. They're not going to a putter putting coach. And I've had that happen too, where you'll read three books at once, and some of it's like not jiving together. And and I try to pull one important thing out of a book. And I've listened to a lot of podcasts. I do a lot of stuff, man. It's cool because it's all about focus and. A lot of people don't understand that. And if they work on one main thing, then a lot of people put off the big stuff. They come into work. And if you could, like, this is a drill that I do. I can look back at my day at the end of the night and say, what did I get done today? And I talk about in the morning, what I'm going to do today. The big thing. What's the one thing? Because if I get five, and I I go in at least six days a week. So if I can get six wins in a week, a big wins. Like, I knocked out everything on my whiteboard today. And a lot of them were small things. Or I got, yesterday I got all the signs, all the electricians, they came in here. There was four of them working. I got a lot of stuff done. We're getting ready for our grand opening on the 27th of September. Long story short, what is something big you could do today? So, so many people get stuck working in the business. They're always working in it. They're never able to strategize and work on this huge strategy. They're tacticians but they don't have a strategy on how to win and where they're going to be in a year. And I think that a lot of people right now, if you just thought about about, uh, where you're at right now and then set a yearly goal. So you set a goal for a year and then you go back 12 months and you go back to quarterly, monthly, weekly, daily. And that's how you figure out where you need to be. And some of it's conversion goals, some of it's monetary as far as average ticket. Some of it's just how many leads do I need coming in? How many people do I need to hire? And do you have staff right now, Zach?
0: Yeah. We got we got podcast production specialists and then then our project manager, and we're getting ready to get our video editor on board. Dude, that was one of the big things. <laughs> Trying to do everything yourself in your business. Ugh, I would never go back to that. That's a good thing. So, I mean, that's a great point on this podcast. So you
1: didn't have a ton of uh money probably to put out all this money for resources. So how much money when you hired your first person to come help i mean how much were you bringing in a month
0: yeah and so with my business bro and i'm being completely transparent this year is when i first started really making decent money back in march i had my biggest month at the time made 11k that month and i was like holy crap like because the most i've ever made before that was almost two thousand dollars a month with network marketing and then i went on like two and a half years of like struggle of trying to figure this, this stuff out. But yeah, I hit the 11K. I was like, man, this is crazy. This is, it was like eye opener. And then next month we did 23K and then so on. But for me though, the thing I'm working on right now, cause I told you about, you know, how I'm getting into, you know, ramping up my YouTube and getting into passive income. The thing with my income right now, bro, is that I got to kill something each month. I got a few clients that through our podcast agency uh, where we produce our podcast, that has you know some consistent, reoccurring income, and I needed some more of that, man. Because having to put out offers each month and kill stuff, I could do it because I got a solid offer, and I'm and I could guarantee the results that I'm sharing in my offer. But not having like that blanket of having some reoccur- like reoccurring income, man, is it's especially if you got a family. That's a it cures a lot of that stress, and it gives you that freedom to really do more of the strategizing like you're talking about and real quickly too, man, you're talking about the, the one thing, dude, that book. Cause I read that in the beginning of this year, that changed the game for me, dude. Cause I'm, I'm just like you, bro. I'll, any shining light, I'm running after it. And like that was some of the worst things that stupid to do, but you know, you're thinking that my thought process at least was like, I got to do all this stuff, you know, cause I got to get ahead of the game. I got to work extra hard. I got to work over here, 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 and get all this and that done. And you're spreading yourself too thin and you're getting crappy results in all those areas because you're not just driving down deep in one area and scaling that first and then moving to something else and master that and scale it.
1: Yeah, that's by uh, Gary Keller with Keller Williams. And it's it's a game changer, man. I'm looking at my bookshelf right now of just... there. There's a lot of really good books. You know, I read so much and... You know, the worst thing for me when I'm reading a book is I'm like, man, they could have made this book 15 pages, but they made it 150 pages. <laughs> Sometimes I just want to read the executive summary, or the, you know, but, yeah. uh, and I fly through books, man. I listen to them really fast. I have audible. I like to read books still. I'm getting bigger on, uh, Kindle. And, uh, if I'm on a plane, the more I travel, the more I read, which is a good thing. So traveling's a good thing for me. You know, one of the things I'll tell you that, that I would implore people because you were you the lucky one, but if you're going to get involved with a podcast or anything to really like YouTube channels or grow your, your self images, don't depend on money for that for a long time. Make sure yeah. you have a, an income coming in because if you need, although, you know, if you have to make money, maybe you'll figure out a way. But one of the things I try to do is never hire somebody that's super desperate. That's like, dude, I don't know how my kids are going to eat tomorrow because they tend to do certain things, unethical things to my customers that I'd really not want to be done to me. So I've learned that lesson 10 years ago. And the same thing is when you're coming up with offers on stuff, if you really, really need it, and it's so bad, and it's life or death, sometimes stuff happens and you do stuff that might not be great. And that's really tough. So I really implore people to stay their job, save a lot of money, Make sure you have a business plan. Make sure you go into this with a plan, with a plan of attack. You've got enough funds for at least three months of payroll, bare minimum. And you go in there with a purpose to hire certain people that the stuff you hate. Know the job enough, but go into this job knowing that you're gonna hire people for the stuff you hate and get people checks and balances. Inspect what you expect. So tell me a little bit about Billy Jean and some of the people you've had on there. Like, what did you learn from these guys as they came on?
0: Man, there's so many different things from different people, I guess. But, um, you know, I asked this question at the end of my podcast. I kind of don't even want to say it now because I forgot that I'm getting ready to interview you on my podcast. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) at least you'll, you'll be prepared for it. But I always ask on my podcast at the very end, like it's all the entire episode is just off the cuff. We're having a genuine conversation. But then at the end, I have this one question that I ask. And it's, you know, if you could go back to the very beginning of your uh, entrepreneurial career and give yourself just one piece of advice, uh, but not advice as in things you regret, but more so a piece of advice that would give yourself a head start or leg up as an underdog entrepreneur, what would that one piece of advice be? And um, it's crazy because not just like Billie Jean and John Lee Dumas and, and Andy Frasillas and all that stuff that, that have been on the show, but Hold on, can, can I guess? Yeah, go ahead. That they wish they would be bigger readers and bid more
1: of, uh, like, get involved more with, hanging out with more successful people. That's
0: what I would have guessed. But go ahead, dude. It's like it's that in a different way. But yes, it's exactly that. They they say that they would find somebody that already has what they want, and they would become their student. Whether they'd have to pay the money, exchange, uh, barter services. Connect them with somebody in their network that would be a power move for them, or even have to go work for them and do their their task for them. Whatever way that they could figure out how to exchange value, they would become the student of someone that already has what they want. And that's golden, man, and it, it's so true. it's one of it's one of the best things that that I've done is to actually get around people that were further along than me and that could show me things to help because here's the deal, man. I got a feeling you might appreciate this and your in your audience might appreciate this, but here's where I'm at, man so many people online are pushing this overnight success secret magical formula bullshit man and it gets people to come out and i'm speaking from experience because i did this at one point and then it went against my values and i and i made a public post about it but acting further along than what you really are here's the deal man when you come into a new industry your goal right out the gate is not to get attention or to prove yourself That's the goal eventually, but that's not what you're wanting to do initially. Initially, you want to observe the industry, understand what are the social dynamics, what are the unspoken rules, and what are the skills that you need to develop to make it in this industry. And then you go to work on building your skills. That's the first phase. And then you graduate into the second phase, which is the longest phase of these three phases, usually lasting over... 10,000 hours of developing the skills. That's what a real expert is. You know, you got these self-proclaimed experts on on social media, like these personal branding experts that got 243 followers, man. Like get the hell out of here with that, man. You need to put in the time to develop the skill. Here's the deal. Whenever you learn a new skill, any new skill, you're going to suck at it at first. You can't come out the gate proclaiming to be an expert. Just like when you try to learn how to walk, you fell over hundreds if not thousands of times but you kept on trying and eventually you got to the point where you were kind of walking and you looked a little bit like bambi a little jello legged and everything but you kept going and then you kept developing the skills and eventually you were able to walk and chew bubble gum at the same time because you developed the skill and that's when you learn that's when you move into the state the third phase of becoming a true master a true expert where you've practice and develop the skill so much that you've eternalized it to where you don't even have to think about it. You could perform the skill without even thinking. And now you can begin to bend, break, and manipulate the rules because you become a true master of the skill. So everybody's looking for the shortcut, the secret magical formula, but there's no shortcut. There's no shortcuts in life. You could streamline the process by finding someone that already has what you want and becoming their student And you can develop those skills faster, but you got to develop those skills and you have to become a true master of the skill.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. I think that a lot of us just think we're going to jump into something. And most people that jump into business are not entrepreneurs. Right. They're not ready. They're great at their job. They say, man, I could fix this garage door. I could fix this HVAC unit. I know a little bit about accounting. I've learned a little bit about QuickBooks, but... Do you really want this job that it never stops? The phone rings all the time. Like, look, I'm 36. I don't have a wife. I don't have kids. Never been married. This is my job. This is what I do. This is my responsibility. And yeah, I'm spending a lot of time and effort, but I enjoy what I do. But I don't think people go into this going, This is like, I didn't sign up for this, man. This is a lot of work. <laughs> like and then and then they hear like, you know, a person like Bernie Sanders wants to take like 90% of it doesn't make sense to me. You know? Oh my God, dude. Deal. I'm like, I don't even want to go down that road right now. But I'm like, man, you don't even know, man. Personal relationships, family. Like just not being able to go to the gym every time when I want. Like literal sacrifices, traveling all over. And it's just, I'm not going to say it's not fair, but dude, I'm never going to have to tell my kids because I do want kids that, hey, dude, you got an A, but guess what? You got to share with that D. You actually got a C minus. No, that's not right. So... I had this guy, Zach, he asked me, he goes, this is interesting. This was yesterday. He goes, Tommy, he's interviewing me for this big award. And he goes, if I was to give you a million dollars for your business today, what would you do? And I thought about it for a minute and I go, I got to tell you, man, I don't think I'd do anything with it. I put it in the bank because right now we're we're switching our phone software. We're developing our dispatch manager. We're bringing on a full-time recruiter. We're literally dialing in this new office and building a complete training center learning management system and right now i need i need to get these things dialed in perfected create these processes that work every time and guess what in january you give me that million dollars i'm gonna go out and blast it into marketing and just get more people but right now we've got money i need the processes refined because so many people they spend all this money all the time but it's just they get a dollar they spend a dollar and it's good you got to put money back into the business but it's just an interesting concept. I'm curious to hear because I like that question. If I gave you a million dollars today, business-wise, obviously, you probably, you know, you get a cool car or whatever, maybe get another house. But as far as business-wise, what would you do with it?
0: Dude, I'm I'm like you in a lot of regards, dude. I, I, I noticed that as like they were both 100%, 110% all in or 110% all out. And because of that, we both had this shiny ob- object syndrome that we've had to master and channel in the right way. And then I'm not a systems guy, an analytical guy. And that's all the more reasons why I need those types of people around me. Because I could do it to an extent and I'm not like like a complete retard in that regards, but it's something that I really don't enjoy. And it, and it gives me headaches sometimes, especially the more sophisticated data and and. Metrics and all that stuff, like trying to run Facebook ads, I, I want to bash my head into a to a brick wall. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> it's literally, and that's why I don't do that. And I get the people that can, and surround myself with those types of people. So I, like you said, I have an understanding of them, understanding of what what it is, the overall strategy, what we're doing, the basics of it. But I'm not going to be the one trying to implement it. We're going to get the the right person. But if I had a million dollars right now, at my where I'm at, I would probably I would sit on a lot of it, but I would take some and invest right at this moment as far as, like, here's... Dude, have you ever read the book Ask by Ryan Levesque? Yeah,
1: I got it. I've I've actually interviewed Ryan Levesque and it's on
0: my uh, bookshelf right here. Yeah. All you got to do is ask. (laughs) Bro, that survey funnel, I would invest in his team right now to build that out because that's not something I'm going to try and build. I'm actually we're going to build something like that. And it's going to be very similar, but I'm not going to be able to get as tech savvy with it, like balling out, like how he he talks about doing it. Cause unless I can find the right, like I got some calls next week, unless I can find the right person that can implement it perfectly. Um, but if I had the million dollars, I would literally invest with Ryan Levesque, his team and have them build out that survey funnel. That'd be the first thing I'd do.
1: You know, one of the things that, uh, I was talking about the other day with with another home service company and I don't know who was there but I remember them like yeah I'm going to send out a bunch of surveys and I'm like dude no one fills out surveys like honestly yeah you can get some surveys done but here's what I try to do I try to ask my customers where they like to go where they hang out I really have learned I'll tell you one of the coolest things dude this is gold is you get these guys And I'll bring up some names. Like I had a guy on my podcast. His name's Joe Cunningham. He's one of the vets of the home service industry. And he knew this guy, Ron Smith. Well, Ron Smith is coming on my podcast now. So recommendations and saying, look, you wouldn't happen to know a few of these guys. And I knew they're around the same age group. They're in the same HVAC, you know, so they're they're doing the same industry. And he's like, yeah, I'll give you his number. He's like, just tell him I told you to call him. He's like, you're a cool dude. But the whole point, is asking for referrals. And I think sometimes when we want to build this up, like I'm, I'm with custom builders. Here's what I did. This is pretty cool. This week I went out to eat. I brought my um, my door install manager. And this might not apply to what you're working on, but I think we can bring it back. But this guy works with 70 custom builders. He's got a great relationship with these people already. And I said, look, I said, Dennis, I want to show you our operation, prove to you that we're a very good company, show you our reviews, show you what we're working on and get me with one or two of your builders out of the 70. You make money on these. You submit the bids. You're the one that's kind of going to bat for us. We're going to pay you for your time and effort and energy and, and you know the opportunity costs. So he said, yeah. He said, let's start with a couple. Let's go from there. So that one relationship could escalate into two to $3 million a year. Literally that one. So what I try to do is find somebody that has these relationships already with my target avatar. Like who has who has a relationship with every HOA in the whole area that you're in? Or who has, for, for you, you would be looking for who has a relationship with the perfect people you're trying to interview. And there might be certain people that you might say, man, this guy brought me 10. So I went and did this speaking gig this weekend and I got eight people, eight amazing people that are going to be on the podcast. And I'm like, holy cow, I don't even know. Let me ask you a question. This is a selfish question, Zach. But should I switch to two a week? Because I've got enough great information, I think, that I can start sharing more. And I don't mind doing a couple a week.
0: Maybe shorten it up for a little less than an hour. But what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, bro. What I tell everybody is to do, to put out as much quality content as possible that's the best answer for that now don't overdo it like if you can't if you can't put out three or five a week or whatnot then don't do it but as much as quality quality being the keyword content that you could put out do it look at um, like John Lee Dumas he was the first to interview entrepreneurs every single day on his podcast and became an Apple award-winning podcaster because of that because he was putting out quality content every single day so if you got the, you know, the bandwidth, which you do, you, which you just said you did or whatnot, I would definitely uh, ramp it up. Yeah, I think it's getting the right people
1: on and just certain people I've had on. I'm like, don't worry, you're not one of them. I appreciate everything you've shared and the fact that you, you're successful, what you're doing. And you, you. I like the underdog, dude. I love that. But some mm-hmm. people I just feel like me and my team have like, oh, this person's a really good accountant. And it's like, have you ever interviewed an accountant? It's kind of like watching glue dry. It's uh, so, But we've been very careful now. And I'm like, man, I've got I've got 20 people lined up. And 20 people on a once a week thing is literally a half a year almost. So, so let me ask you this. You wrote a book. Tell me a little bit about the book.
0: How do people get it? What's yeah, the deal man. with that? It's funny. So I wrote that book when I was in network marketing still. Here's the story behind it. And I actually took it, it's on Amazon. You could get it on the Kindle or, or the download or whatever, but you can't purchase the print version. And I'll tell you the reason why I took it off. But the whole thing was, I was initially scared to share my story of being an extra <laughs> drug addict and, and convict. And I was like, man, I got fired from my job right before I went back to prison because I got a promotion. I was on a sales team and did 3,000, the whole store did 9,000 in one day on my third day there. And I got fired when I got the promotion because they found out I was a convicted felon and that came back to haunt me. And so that was like my whole mindset. And I got out, got into network marketing, and I was scared to, to share that story. So I was like, man, you know, if I share that, then nobody's gonna take me seriously as an entrepreneur, and then I'm not gonna be able to feed my family and 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 do the things that I wanna do. And so I I was initially scared of that, but I had a mentor in network marketing. And she got me to start sharing my story. She's like, Man, you don't know how powerful that is. It's gonna have the reverse effect of what you're thinking. And so I started sharing it. And surely the story of you know, the stark contrast of being in prison and, and drug addiction to turn my life around, become an entrepreneur, it draws people in. And people I, I get it all the time. Like People like say, man, your story really helped me. Or so I'm like, man, how does the story just help you? But I guess it really does because somebody might be going through something similar. They might not be going through prison, but they might be stuck at a job that feels like prison or stuck in a relationship, whatever. But I started sharing it and I was like, wow. And I started losing my passion for network marketing just because uh I just don't think it was my true, true calling or whatnot, or it didn't really, it, I just lost my passion. Plus the main reason why is because I was burning those relationships. But at the end, it was October 11, 2016 is when I actually launched a book. I started right before I was like, man, I want to do something more. And I started, I, I would see like Gary Vaynerchuk stuff. And I was like, man, I would love to do stuff like that. Like that's, that's my thing. Like that's something that I, you know, creating content and stuff like that. I, I love doing that. This is something I love, I enjoy doing. And I was like, man, but how do you actually make money off of that? And I didn't know or whatever, but I started coming up with these ideas. Like I'm going to, I'm gonna move into life coaching, become a life coach because I, I think I could help people there. And speaking, I speak, but I don't do life coaching anymore, and I never had any success with it. But um, so I wrote the book, right? And I wrote it, and it's funny, dude. I didn't know what I was doing, but I wrote it in a, in a literally in a month and a half, and it's like ninety something pages long. And I just told my story, and then at the end, I gave some, I gave five really basic personal development tips. At the end of what I knew at the time, because I didn't really know that much. I had just started reading uh personal Development the year before in twenty fifteen, and so it was really short, and I had to make it longer bigger to to make it a kind of a thicker book and it's not even that thick and so I made the font the size like a ninety four on there, and it's supposed to be like a like a sixteen or something I don't know it was it was great, so I didn't even know what the heck I was doing, but I got it up there It didn't look completely horrible, but it the formatting was terrible, but I put it out there and I shared my story up until that point in my life and I glorified network marketing a lot in that book, and that's the reason why I pulled it down is because I don't do network marketing I'm not like I said I don't knock network marketing because there's good companies out there and there's bad ones out there, just like in any industry but for me and my brand i don't I'm not in network marketing anymore, so I pulled it up, but they could you could still get like the Kindle version on Amazon or whatnot.
1: That's cool, man. I I love your honesty too. It's like, yeah, you know, you were at a time in your life. Look, all of us have been in a time in our life where we thought like, I used to think carrying inventory was great and it still is for certain people. And I mean, even when I started the podcast two years ago, I'm like, yeah, get inventory, get a good deal. Then I realized we're not good at it. So now I'm at a whole different mindset, a different stage in my business. But what was good for my business the first couple of months or first year, first two years is not good for my business today. Not to mention... This is the fastest time in our lives. Technology changes. You've got Amazon. You've got all these things happening. And uh, it's crazy. We're moving exponentially fast. I've actually got a DeLorean, a little model car. My goal, dude, if I get it, me and you are going on a ride, but I want to get a DeLorean next year. I totally want. And it's going to say back in time on the back. So how do they get a hold of you, Zach? I mean, what do they got to do?
0: Yeah, man, dude, come check out the podcast. If you dig this interview, that's uh, definitely what, obviously, what I'm most passionate about. You can literally check it out on any podcast platform that you listen to podcasts to. Uh, but to make it really simple for you guys, you can go to underdogempowerment.com and right there on the home page, I got a little tab. I might have to scroll down just a tab, but it has uh, any platform: iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, all that. You can just uh, easily subscribe right there. Hope to see you guys over there as well. And I appreciate that, Tommy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then I always like to ask, is there, is there a few books? I mean, you said the one by Keller, Gary Keller, but what are some of the books that really you would say have been instrumental in your growth and just helping you? Whatever, man. It could be, like I said, it could be anything. It could be about butterflies. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I would, I would go with that. The one thing that that was a game changer to me, for me personally, that was the best book on productivity I've ever laid eyes on, period by a long shot. And then I'm going to recommend this guy. I'm getting ready to interview him next week. If I could be mentored by anybody in the world, it would be this guy because I've never met somebody with a vast understanding of human nature of psychology, period. Than this this guy, like, it blows my mind when I read his books. And his, his name's Robert Green. I don't know. Have you ever read any of his books?
1: What are some of his books?
0: He's got... So I first read the Forty Eight Laws of Power. That was like one of oh, his yeah, first yeah, the first ones. The
1: irrefutable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I dude, got.
0: Yeah, dude. He's he's a genius. And and here's the thing, man. No matter what business you're in, home service, your affiliate marketer, whatever. Like you said, technology is changing faster than ever, and that's always going to be moving around. But one thing that doesn't change is human nature. And if you got the more of an understanding you have of, of psychology and how humans work and how we're, how our brains are wired and how we respond to things, uh, the more success you'll have in any business, in any relationship, period. So I would highly recommend getting, getting his books. And he just got a new one that came out. It's a thick book too, man. It's so it'll take, I don't know, depending on how fast you read, but it's like 500 pages or something. And every single page is golden like every single line you can't even argue with none of it cuz it's it's completely just how we're wired. It's like wow, it it'll blow your mind dude. It's called uh The Laws of Human Nature by Robert Greene. I would highly recommend that book. That's like my go-to. Just to give you context, I'm I'm like you as well. I listen to audiobooks and I like to read. I I like reading more cuz it like sinks in more for me. So how I read my books is I literally get the the book and the Audible on Amazon, and then I'll listen to the Audible, however many times it takes me to actually finish reading the book, so I'm really sinking in the information. Well, the Audible book for the Laws of Human Nature is 28 hours long, <laughs> and I listened to it at 1.5 speed, so it like ended up being like I don't know, like 18 hours or something like that. But uh, but yeah, I would get that the one thing, and then finally, one book that was complete. And this is a really short book; uh, it's like 113 pages or some. But this was like the most transformational book that I've ever read, period. It's called A Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Have you ever read that book? No, no, I'm writing it down though. A Man's Search for Meaning? Yeah, by Viktor Frankl. So bro, the first half of the book is he's detailing his experience in the Nazi death camps. He was a prisoner in there. And then the second half, he's a psychiatrist, or a psychoanalyst, or I can't, I think a psychoanalyst, and he coined the term Lego therapy or what, whatnot, but he he puts all the psychology to what he went through. And he talks about his main thing. is about talking about finding the, the meaning in your suffering. And dude, his experience makes my little five years in prison seem like a little daycare. Like, dude, it was brutal. Like, oh my God, it was horrible, but there's so many valuable lessons. And I guarantee if you read that book, it's not one of those books where you just get one of the one golden nugget or it's like, some of it was good. Literally, it's a transformational book. Like you, you, literally look at life different after you read that book. It's like it's hands down super powerful. Dude, I love it. That's intense, man.
1: It's cool stuff. You know, I'm thinking about all these coaches, and one thing I think about, and they're not bad, but they're not in there with the fight with us. Like I think about some of the coaches that, like, if they were that good at Facebook, why aren't they doing this for their own products? Like if I'm that good at coaching people in home service, why don't I have my own business? And some of it to me means maybe they want to relax. Maybe they want to just have a life that's a little bit more laid back, not have to manage people. But it really bothers me because there's that old phrase, if you can't make it in the real world, teach. And I just think, I'm going off on a tangent here, but that's one of the things I wanted to tell you is like maybe 10% of the people that are just straight up coaches and teachers really know how to kill it but a lot of them are going after this, like get rich quick. I'm just going to do this. And I'm like, I don't know, man, I have a hard time with it, but I do, I got to tell you, man, I've met some amazing coaches that changed my life, but I met some idiots. So you (laughs) got to filter them. You got to know what you're looking at. A lot of people are selling big ideas and they don't know how to, they don't know how to do it. But um, the last thing I like to do Zach is give you an opportunity to kind of Talk to the audience, maybe close it up, whatever you'd like to say, maybe maybe a life lesson or just anything you're passionate
0: about. Yeah, man. I'll lean more towards the personal development, the mental toughness side of it, because you got to have mental toughness to make it in any business, man. And um, here's the deal, man. One of the best lessons that I've learned was, it's kind of twofold, but extreme ownership. Because before I got my my shit together, man. I was always the one that would blame anything and anyone for anything that went wrong besides myself. And when I woke up in that, in that jail cell the last time, uh, missing my twin son's birth, I took complete ownership of everything wrong and everything right in my life from that moment on moving forward. And that's been a complete game changer for me. And so here's the deal. Some people would argue, but they'd say, well sometimes it's not your fault and sometimes you can't control things that happen but you can so let me give an example like let's say a tornado comes through and wipes out your house and and kills your family and god forbid that happens but let's say that happens right and that's a an act of god uh you know nature like you can't control that from happening yes you're you're right however after that though you might get all like really hurt and end up becoming very bitter and turn to do bad things in life or even kill yourself uh, because you lost your family and everything you loved in life. Or you could decide to just do nothing about it and, and just be miserable for the rest of your life. Or you could decide to, to internalize that pain and turn it into power and go out and empower other people that might be going through the same situation or do something else that's good as a result of from what you went through regardless of whatever decision you decide to make after that happens, the key is is that you decide how you respond to any situation. So there could be all these things that happen to you, like this external things that you have no control over, but you always have the freedom to choose how you respond to anything, period. Nobody could take that away from you. That's always going to be in your power. And so when you realize that, that's power in itself. And so when you get into those situations, a way to really make that powerful, and this could you could literally use this with anything in life. I used it inside of a prison cell when I was inside the hole, which is the prison inside of the prison. And I found out that my sister died from a heroin overdose. And I'm in, inside a, a hole, an 8x10 cell where I could walk three steps one way and three steps the next. That's it no human interaction hardly any at all didn't have a celly just had whenever they came and delivered my trays to the door three times a day and when i found that out and i'm trapped inside the cell and all this crazy shit's going on in my head and i'm thinking about all the mean things i ever said and did to my sister and the goodbye i never get to tell her and uh just literally going crazy when the world feels like it's crumbling around you when it feels like there's no light at the end of the tunnel this could literally go for anything in life a lot of times we will ask the wrong question. We'll be like, well, why does this shit always got to happen to me? Or why, why does this got to be this way or whatever? And that's the wrong questions. And I'm guilty of this. I've done this before. But when that happened with my sister, I asked myself, I said, what can I do in this moment to find happiness and peace? And what that did is it got me to literally focus on what I could do in that moment inside of that 8 by 10 cell that I wasn't getting out of. No matter how hard I kicked that door, I was not getting that door open. It got me to focus on what I could do in that moment. And here's the deal. Anytime you ask a question, even if you're asking yourself a question, like if I say, what color are your shoes? You literally just thought about the color of your shoes because you're forced to. That's how our brain is wired. If you ask a question, our brain seeks the answer. So the key is in, in those adverse situations is to ask the right questions. For me, I asked, how can I find happiness and peace right now? And that got my brain to seek for how I could find happiness and peace in that situation. And that's power right there, man. If You, you can implement that because there's going to be times in life, not just in business, but in life in general, where shit's going to be high and you're riding high and then it's going to be low and there's going to be curveballs that could get thrown at you. And if you can learn how to respond in those types of situations, that's where you find the power. And that's how you, that's how you find that that meaning in the suffering.
1: Wow. (laughs) Appreciate it, bro. I'll tell you, this stuff that you preach, man, it's it's life changing. And it it's nice to know you've been there and you come back up and you're you're here and you're doing well. You got an amazing family. You're always
0: smiling. You're positive. You're passionate. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on, my friend. Dude, it's been a blast, uh, and I appreciate you having me on. I can't wait to have you on my show as well, dude.
1: Cool, man. Well, hey, where do you live, by the way? I wanted to what state, what
0: city? I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. Bunch of nothing uh, going on.
1: <laughs> that's right. That's cool, man. Well, at least you're summertime. So, well, I appreciate it, and I'm going to say uh, appreciate the audience listening. You guys have a great day. Hey guys, I really appreciate you tuning into the podcast. I wanted to let you know that my book is available right now on Amazon. It's called The Home Service Millionaire. That's homeservicemillionaire.com. Just go to the website, it'll show you exactly where and how to buy the book. I poured two years of knowledge into this book and I had 12 contributors. Everybody from the COO at Home Advisor to the CEO of Valpak, and of course, Ara, the CEO of Service Titan. It tells you how to have the right mindset and become a millionaire and think like a millionaire. It goes into exactly how to turn on lead generation. Have those phones ringing off the hook for the customers that you want to be calling where you can make money and get great reviews. It also goes into simple things like how to attract A players. Listen, if you want a great apple pie, you need to buy good apples and you need to know where to buy those apples And it also talks about simple things like knowing how to keep the score. You should have your financial check every week. You should know exactly what's coming in and out of your account. You should know when to cut advertising that's not working. And more than anything, you should know how to cut employees that aren't making it for you. Listen, you might have a big heart, but this book is going to show you how to make decisions built on numbers. I hope you pick up the book, and I really appreciate everything. I hope you're having a great day. Tune in next week. Thank you.